This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Process pass on the far side to Chuck. Couldn't handle that cleanly. And it was taken off his stick by Lowry. Lowry kicked it from his skate to his stick. Grabbed another stick off the back. Put it out in front for Appleton. He scores! What a goal by the Winnipeg Jets! That is unbelievable! 5-2 Winnipeg! Cameron Poitras, Jim Toth here. Jim, I will say we were both at the game. We are both watching from the press box. That was one of my favorite moments ever at Canada Life Center. That goal, the whole place went bananas. I thought it was a trainer who handed him the stick. I didn't know it was Morrissey. And then as soon as I saw it was the re- seamless. It was kind of those like little under the uh, the thing I like about it wasn't like, hey, 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 take my stick. It was a slight little you want this? Take yeah. it. It was it, like a behind the back, you know, didn't miss a stride as if we were at a social and you were out of drink tickets and it was last call. And they're like, sorry, we can't sell you anymore. And as you walk by, I, under my arm, gave you the old, hey, Cameron, here's one yeah. more. I don't even say anything. And you're like, boom, double Roman code. <laughs> 204-780-6868, And we'll bring on our, our guest here, radio color analyst on 680 CGOB, uh, Mitchell Clinton. What we didn't know at the time what that was that was the game-winning goal. What we didn't know was that was the goal yeah, that the Jets needed to win that game. Well, that's the other story that's not being talked about because right. I don't know if there's a team that has gotten scored on with the other goalie pulled three to- like Carolina game came flashing back to me. We'll get into that in a second. Mitchell, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? So Good, thank I, you. I, I saw in the press box between the first and second period, Mitch, and I said, I said, I'm feeling good about tonight. You said you wanted to call a win. I said, I'm feeling pretty good. I think they got a good chance. They're up 2-1 at that point. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling now? Feeling really good because I feel like if for whatever reason that didn't go the Winnipeg Jets way, it would become a stat in the game notes that the Jets are 0-2 since the change at color position. And I would just, you know, I couldn't carry that burden. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it was good. I mean, yeah, like it, it got a little bit, uh, I think a little bit more dramatic than, than the Jets would have liked. But uh, besides that, a win's a win. You'll always take them uh, no matter how they come. And it's just a good feeling to, to start off the home half of the schedule. That's for sure. Um, we're going to get into the details of that game and, and everything else, Mitchell. But this is two games where the Jets have impressed me. And I know they're one and one, but mm. the style, the commitment, the 200-foot game, um, it's real early. But as these games, this is the second one. Tomorrow we'll look for it in the third and then the fourth on Thursday. But this is kind of the the idea that we heard throughout training camp, if you could speak to it a little bit, when the players were saying, you know, it's it's not new to us. And Rick Bonus was saying they're more familiar with it. This This system looks good on this Jets roster. It really does, and I think it's also the fact that, like you said, it's not anything new, so you're making a lot of decisions quicker. Yes, there's some lo- uh, some personnel changes, obviously, with Bellardi coming in, I follow Kapari, you know, what have you, but um, you're used to these systems, and you can make the decisions a lot faster and just play without thinking as much, and the, most, the more you can do that, the faster you're going to become, but then it's also a total buy-in. Like, all of these guys are obviously in tremendous shape. That's the way it's has to be when you're playing at this level. Um, but I do think, you know, going through the training camp, those 90-minute skates and, and all that kind of stuff that the Winnipeg Jets were doing, you know, you need to be at a certain level of conditioning to be able to play that way for 60 minutes, night in, night out in the National Hockey League. So I think 
we're seeing, you know, just how well conditioned they are to be able to play that way, especially, you know, you talked about the Lowry goal to be able to do that um, later on in a shift, the way that, that Lowry was to be able to push his way up the ice to force that two on one Mason Appleton, obviously coming up uh, and joining him on that as well. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, but at the same time, we're seeing a, a full buy-in and, and also, you know, they're executing, which is the other big part of it. You know, you can, you can be bought in as much as you want, but you still got to make the plays when they're there and the Jets are doing that too. Yeah. I mean, you talk about buy-in, you talk about execution. Um, I mean, uh, Kyle Connor was on the post-game show afterwards and he's like, everybody got involved. It, you know, you got goals from Shifley, you know, uh, Casey got two, uh, Morgan Barron, Appleton, as you mentioned, DeMello. I mean, it, it was, it was exactly what, you know, and, and Barron gets set up by that beautiful play, uh, or, 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 you know, Rasmus Kupari showing his patience with the puck. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously Morgan Barron gets the, the credit for the goal by going to the net and, you know, recovering getting back on his feet and then just staying there t- ready for you know more cross checks whatever comes his way but he's able to bury that one but i think that was uh that goal came at the end of about three or four straight shifts where the winnipeg jets had just an incredible four check going on and it's always because of the pressure of that first forward that comes in uh just to hurry the decision that the opposing defenseman has to make and you know more of that as more of that happens throughout the game you know, sometimes you're able to get uh, get some turnovers, and it's but it's being persistent with that that helps lead to those opportunities. And yeah, like Rasmus Kapari is a guy that I think we're all kind of watching because, you know, he's trying to take that next step in, in his career, be show a little bit more in the offensive zone. And that line with, with Baron and Domestikov, I think, has been really fun to watch. And part of that reason is they are capable of making some plays, and Kapari uh, showed that in that big win over Florida. Um. Along those lines, then, uh, this is kind of what Rick Bonus was trying to put into, and I like this. How deep is this lineup now? Because Bonus mentioned that that I can put these guys out against Barkov, the fourth line, um, against the likes of that line. This is really something that's come out of the Dubois trade, and I know we're going to get into that this week, obviously, and, and the pieces. But the pieces that came back made this team deeper, and maybe that's what this team needed. Yeah, it could be, you know, and obviously like you, like you guys said, we're still early in the year and there's a whole lot of runway still to go, but I think you're, you're seeing that they fit in quite well. I mean, I was, you know, watching uh, Alex, I follow at practice today and just thinking about like, you know, man, he's been, he's been great so far in this season on that left wing with, with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And that's a line that more often than not, I think we would see, especially over the last few years, that's uh, Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton. They're probably the ones that are getting that hard match against the opposition's best, especially on, on home ice. And I'm looking at, you know, the numbers and I'm seeing, you know, Lowry seeing maybe a couple of different lines. And I think that would probably translate throughout the lineup. And the reason for that is Rick Bonus is comfortable, you know, going out with no matter who he's putting over the boards, he's seeing that, okay, we can handle this matchup. That's, you know, Shifley's line right down through, Kapari's line and one of the stats that I think that's telling again early this year is you know you can look at a number of different analytics and, and whatnot and, and pick which ones mean the most to you but for me it's how many chances are scoring chances specifically high danger ones are the Winnipeg Jets given up and how many are they generating them are they on that positive side of the ledger and they are they're one of the best teams in the NHL so far so those you know that's just one stat that's standing out in terms of how the Winnipeg Jets are playing but it's not just one line doing that. It's all four of them. 
Yeah, it, it, you know what? It is all four lines uh, so far, you know, Mitchell here. And, and I want to talk about special teams a little bit because it's kind of putting a wrench in sort of the, 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 the chemistry plans here. I mean, I think there were 17 separate penalties called between the two teams, lots of PK, lots of power play. Um, how do you see the special teams units so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously the power play had that really, really strong start against Calgary, didn't get rewarded for it, but generated a, a whole bunch of opportunities. And really with the power play, yes, you'd like to get goals, absolutely. But the main thing is you want to gain momentum. And the Jets went, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe, believe it was two for six against Florida. So you get off that, you, you, get, you start getting some rewards there. Uh, penalty kill, I think they've allowed a goal in each of the first two games, which you know, it's been a strength for them throughout uh, last season, heading into this season. I would imagine it, it will continue to be that way. The Jets are, are a more, like, disciplined squad than I think, you know, we've, we've seen. You know, last year, I think they were in and, in and among the league leaders in terms of fewest, you know, minutes taken, or at least what they average uh, per night. I would expect they would likely get back to that. That game against the, uh, the Panthers was, I think, a little bit of a, a little bit different, just because yeah. of the knee that, that occurred on uh, Nemestikov, I think was the first one. And then Sandberg had a play in the neutral zone that I don't think the Panthers liked too, too much. And then it just, obviously the Shifley Kachuk situation happened as well. So that kind of changed the, the flow of the game in terms of penalties a little bit. I think the Jets would like to, especially given the numbers they have at five on five, I think they would, they would prefer to keep the game at five on five, earn themselves some power plays, but obviously penalty kill is going to be a way that, you know, they're going to have to learn to play. And I think they're going to be fine with that. They'll get back to the numbers that they're going to like. With that being said, of course, they've only allowed one against in each of uh, the first two. So Pierre-Luc Dubois tomorrow, the LA Kings, another big test for them, not just because Dubois is there, but a lot of people, um, and I'm one of them, think that this is a, a very strong Kings team. And, and then the Stanley Cup champs, big week for the team and, and how they kind of take it one game at a time, but focus on the two challenges. Yeah, and the Kings coming in, you know, they're going to be, a, I don't you don't want to say desperate three games into the year, but I mean, they're 0-1-1 so far, you know, they all, they almost came back to to beat Carolina on the weekend, but uh, came up short in the shootout. But, you know, they, they've, they're they without Victor Arvidsson, that's a, that's a big piece of their lineup as well. And then I believe Arthur Kaliev comes off suspension, so he, he would be eligible to play against Winnipeg it's going to be interesting to see how that that lineup shakes out and of course it's, you know it's probably going to mean a little bit to guys like Velarde and Iafalo and, and Kapari so just like on Pierre-Luc Dubois side I'm sure he's or PL Dubois I believe is how it is now uh he's going to be excited to to play against you know his former teammates as well but at the end of the day you know it's two points that's on the line Winnipeg wants to keep making Canada Life Center a difficult place for teams to play no matter who they are and you know, it's we saw some little wrinkles in practice today of how the Jets are preparing to play against L.A., probably a little bit more of a different neutral zone than I think with what they've seen so far. So still something that, you know, there's little principles that they got to work on to get through, say, like a 1-3-1 neutral zone, which is, I think, what we can expect against Los Angeles tomorrow. Um, but, I mean, you think back to L.A. a few years ago, it was, it was big, heavy, and a little bit slower. Now they're, they're fast. They're, they're tough to play against as well. So it's going to be a really good game. The Jets are obviously feeling confident the way that they've been playing, and Los Angeles is going to be a team trying to get into the win column. Mitchell Clinton, radio color analyst for 680 CJB. Mitchell, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much. You take care and uh, have fun this week. Sounds good. You guys too. Thank you.
Have a good week, man. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. We'll give our thoughts on the Panthers and Jets game. Uh, there was one player in particular that uh, Jim and I kept talking about when we were up in the press box. I want to make sure I mention him and as well as his uh, partner and lots to, to talk about and unpack from that game, which was uh, a thriller in downtown Winnipeg as we lead again into Tuesday, as mentioned. Uh, was it PL now? PL now? He doesn't, doesn't go by Pierre Luke? PL? Is he PL Dubois? Is that what he's? It's like when Michael Mikey Asimov went to Michael Asimov. I don't know. It sounds like Hollywood to me. When uh, Mike Riley went became Michael O'Reilly of the BC pl- Lions. Pl- Dubois. Well, we're gonna find out. I gotta. Ins- I gotta do some ins- I, inspection. I didn't know here. that he was going by PL. Now. Ah. You go to hey, Vegas. To, to each his own. Do some stuff. You go to LA. You change your name. Anyways, lots to get to. Don't go anywhere. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. This, this is a crazy story out there with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they do not have an AHL affiliate. They've had to send their players. Now, they've been able to loan a few to other teams in the AHL, um, but they've had to send a few of them to ECHL, ECHL clubs, ECHL Norfolk, where they have, their, uh, they have an affiliation with, and a lot of those guys have gone overseas. They haven't reported. I don't blame them. Yeah, I'm not going to the ECHL no. if I'm an AHL player. And to be honest with you... Or a guy looking to get some experience in the A. Doesn't a- the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes have a few bucks? I, you know, I, see, I seem to think so. Um, this has gone on through the moose for a couple of years back in the day. Like, they'd have some Dallas Stars players, four or five. Yep. James Neal was here, guys like that. I just, I don't blame him for not going down to the ECHL. I'm not going down there. Well, I don't, I, it's, it's hard enough being sent to the AHL. But <laughs> down to the EC, it's 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 unrealistic. I mean, imagine I telling Billy Hainola you're going to the ECHL. See you later. No, hey, I'm Brad, not. Hey, I'll Brad. see you later. Hey, Brad. We're, Brad Lambert. Brad you're not. Lambert. Uh, sorry, we don't have a place for you, so you're going to go down to the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, no, I'm not. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Before we get into anything here, Jim, we've gotten a couple text messages, several text messages about the announced attendance for the, the home opener. I think it was about 13 and a half. About 2,000 uh, shy. Yeah. Of a cello. The According to the numbers, about 87 point and a half um, uh, of capacity, percent of capacity. Um my eye test at the game, I I thought it was more than that. That's that's that was just my perception of it. I looked at the crowd and I felt like it was pretty. I didn't think it was a sell, but I thought it was pretty dang close, just by my eye test personally. Um, and so this is something that we were, we are watching. Um, this is something, but I, I I think we we wait to talk about it. We wait and see. You know, Dubois and the. Kings are in town tomorrow. Get the Stanley Cup champions on Thursday. I think this is a situation where it's like, well, if 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 we'll wait and see, and then we'll talk about this um, on Friday. Well, yeah, there's two things here. I, I don't want to go too far down this road. It's a yeah. topic, right? They yeah. asked. They said in the summer they need three thousand more season I, tickets. Yep, yep. Um, I I was with you. I thought the barn was going to be shy of a cello, but not that much. Um, but I will wait to see with Pierre Luc Dubois coming back and the Stanley Cup champions here Thursday. And then we'll get into it. I saw this on social media over the weekend. I saw a lot of people going, those are excuses. It's nice out or the three o'clock start. I don't think they're excuses. I I don't know a lot of people in my circle that could not get to the game in the afternoon because their kids were playing hockey and things like that, but would have gone at six or seven at night. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I'm not saying that they would have sold it out anyways. I don't think so. But I just, I would like to see where this goes. It will not surprise me if they're 2,000 shy tomorrow night and Thursday. And then I think we'll talk about it. But I think there's a lot of things going against them um, going into that Saturday one. Am I surprised it was 2,000? Yeah, but did I think it would be sold out? No, I didn't. Calgary didn't sell out their home opener. Vancouver didn't sell out their home opener. I don't know about Edmonton on Saturday. I think Toronto and Ottawa did. Um, and Ottawa's got a lot of things going on where their season tickets are up 30% because of the changes they made this summer. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're going to talk about it. I just, I'm not going to judge it on one game. There's a three-game homestand here with the Stanley Cup champions and, and a pretty big storyline in tomorrow night's game. Let's talk about it on Friday and see where they're at. Yeah, and or I, Wednesday if we want. I think affordability is coming into this. I mean, how, I, how often do sure we talk about this on the radio all the time? Everything is more expensive right I, now. I, Inflation, like people are saying yeah. this to me, well, the Leafs sold out or Ottawa. Like I said, Ottawa's season ticket base went up 30% in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew they were going to be sold out. Toronto has 9 million people. They have the largest conglomerate of millionaires. And Aaron Streeter pointed this out to me in her newsroom. Austin Matthews in the home opener had a hat trick and nobody threw a hat on the ice. And she was like, why is that? And I go, because the people that go to a Toronto game don't wear hats. Yeah. They're people who can afford to go to Toronto games and don't have a ball cap on. Yeah. So, um, but this is a different market. It's a concern where I'm not, we're not going to hide from it, but I'm going to wait to see what a couple more games do. Absolutely. I think that's just fair. 204 780 um, I want to talk about Dylan Sandberg and Neil Pionk. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about attention to detail, taking care of the little things, I thought that that was exactly the game that Dylan Sandberg had on Saturday. Dylan Sandberg has arrived. And yeah. by the time I, I mean arrive, I don't, in my opinion, think he's an NHL player and there's still some, there's still a lot of growth. Don't get me wrong. But Watching him live on Saturday, and again on on uh, television, and listening to Paul and Mitchell in Calgary, um, he knows when to jump in, when not to. He made two great plays where he jumped the play mm. at the opposing team's blue line, kept the puck in, and made a nice play, and they got an offensive chance out of it. The play that impressed me the most was there was a play coming out of their end, and he could have jumped in and tried to keep the puck in, or he could have taken a step back, got the puck, circled around center and then passed it to somebody and regained the zone. That's the play that stood out to me, Cam, mm-hmm. because he jumped up twice and it worked. And the third time when he jumped up in the second period, he was he it was a 50-50 play, and if mm-hmm. the puck gets by him, it's a two-on-one, and he made the right call where he took a step back off the blue line, controlled the puck. They kept possession. They didn't stay in the zone, but they lived to fight another day. That's a smart play by a defenseman who just in the per- period previous jumped up twice and it worked. Yeah. He he's making the smart decisions. He's playing aggressive for a defenseman. He's being physical, but he's also pretty sound defensively. Yeah. I'm really impressed with him through two games this year. He's been he's playing smart. Yeah. I mean, without the puck, I like I like where he where his game's at um in the corners and stuff like that. He did some great plays where he's just boxing guys out just by being in the right spot. Um, and you know, we had Neil Pionk on the show on Friday and, and he's been paired up with, uh, uh, with, with Sandberg and spoke about his confidence and how, and how that was the big, big difference from this year and last year. I agree with you, Jim. I believe Dylan Sandberg has arrived. Uh, other defensemen, Josh I'm Morrissey. Really impressed, yeah. 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 What about Josh Morrissey? Uh, yeah. Josh has looked good to me. Um, he kind of had a slow preseason. 
It was something I wasn't, I wasn't really, you know, very concerned well, <laughs> about, but I was just, there was some, I was watching some of the games and I'm like, well, I understand it's the preseason. Josh Morrissey is not going to go out there and get injured for a game that doesn't matter. He's not going to throw himself on the line, but I was, it, there was some stuff at note where it's, it's like Josh Morrissey, a longtime vet. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not out there dogging it by any extent, but he's, you know he's he's re- he's recognized it was a preseason game, and as soon as the regular season started, he's he's been fa- I thought he's been fantastic. So and far. you know we talked about that right? Like we we um, yeah we were talking in the preseason after game on the show, and then in the newsroom yes where we're like you think anything's up? And I go I don't know like I and I mentioned John Shannon in the post game in the last preseason game yeah. in Calgary before the Ottawa one here at home. He said the young players like Parker Ford and those guys who were really impressive did what they should do in a pre the sixth preseason game of the preseason. The veterans, he said, and he didn't name Morrissey specifically, but he said the veterans look to me like guys that were just trying to get through a preseason mm-hmm. game. And so we discussed that. And I'm like, no, I'm not worried about Josh at all. I, I, you know, And that's what that game in Calgary was like. He took a late penalty and he played. And he was yeah. like, kind of like it's preseason, right? I'm yeah. not going to kill myself here. And when I say that, it's mostly about not get injured or take a risk. Totally. But, you know, the, the defense looks solid to I me. Mean, Brendan Dillon is being as physical as ever. He had some really good along the boards checks. Um, but Dylan Sandberg stood out to me uh, because I, I do think it's going to, you know, it takes a guy a while. Like I expect, like look at Josh Morrissey, right? Like it was his second, third year where he became, okay, this guy's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, and I don't want to jinx it, but Dylan Sandberg for a guy who's just been, you know, what did he have last year? 50 some games. And then the playoffs. And then he went to the world championships. Um, he just looks like he's a four or five year veteran to me already which is good for him, right? Yeah. Um, he had 63 games last year. Um, so I, I just think that the plays he made, and, and like I said, the smart plays, the ones that, that are the right safe plays that, yeah, I could risk something. Young players like to risk something. Young players like to impress. And and he's just, he's playing really smart in the first two games here. Nina um, Rider, looking at him, uh, he's making $4 million this year. Is he a guy that this team, when I, when he was out there, I saw good things happen. That's what I saw from him. Um, is he a guy that the Jets are gonna should look to re-sign? Or and I and I say this, Jim, with like I'm talking two games in the AHL. Uh, you see, Brad Lambert's got three points. He's got two goals. Nikita Chibrikov's got three points already over two games. Chaz Lucius has a goal and an assist over those two games. Is there um, a cheaper option, perhaps, uh, coming up with the Manitoba Moose that might fill that role that Nito Niederreiter is um, is filling right now? I think. On the open market, yeah, he could get $5 million a year for three years. Mm-hmm. Do I think that's too much for Nito Niederreiter? Yes, I do. But do I think there's two or three teams out there that would do it? Yes, I do. I believe that 100%. So I think the Jets should offer this guy probably four. It'll be term at that age, right? Mm-hmm. 32, 33 years old. I think four. I wouldn't do five, but maybe that's what it takes. He'd be 36 at the end of it, I think. No, wait a minute. 37? He's a year younger than me. He's a 92, so he would be 31 right now. 31. So, yeah, yeah. he'd be 36 at the end of a five-year deal. And I know what some fans are going to say. So I would do the four, maybe five years to keep him because I think if he goes to the open market, he's going to get a three-year, $5 million deal real easy. I would give him um, – if you look at um, Anaheim and what they gave Alex Kalorn, I, I, I think you know in and around that, maybe a million short and a ter- year or two shorter – I would offer him a four-year deal at about four, four and a half. And if I could get him to sign, mm-hmm. I would be more than happy to have him on my third line 
in three mm-hmm. years from now. Yeah. Because the Chaz Lucius's and the Brad Lambert's and the Rutgers McGordy's are here and they're in my top nine. There's not a lot of space for you, but, and I would love to have a guy like that around those guys. And I think that he's, he's been a little snake bit this year. He's getting his opportunities, can't put it in, but I like everything mm-hmm. about him. And I think that he would be a real good example for young players coming in. But I do think, I don't know on a team out there that give him five by five. I don't think that's out there for yeah. need a rider. But I do think there's a three-year, $15 million deal out there. So term and and a little less on the AAV. If I'm the Jets, I start I start going after this at three to four, or sorry, four to five years. If it's five years, I go four mil. Yeah. And if it's Four years, I go 4.5 and try to get him here to be around those young guys. And and it's a bonus to have a guy like that. I know at the end of the deal, he might be a fourth liner at yeah, four and a half million. That's when you'll hear about it. But that's it, but fine because your other fourth liners will be making ELCs. That, and, and to me, that's the, just the cost of being able to keep a guy like Nita Nita Ryder around. If you, He's going to, I mean, I'm I, it, not spoken to him, obviously, about this, but I think he would be a guy or that would be looking for a term. Like he would be a guy that would, that would I, take I think a at five this year point deal, of his yeah. career. And if he yeah. likes it here and he likes the core, like if you're going to be around Hellebuck, Shifley, Morrissey, for sure, if you're going to spend the next two to three years with Connor Ehlers mm-hmm. and you have the guys on the roster now, plus you have these young guys coming up. Yeah. I think if you can, the term and the, the AV are right, that a guy like that would sign here. Yeah, Absolutely. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Dom texts the show. He says, I like the style the Jets are playing. 55 has been great. All lines are going. We're going to have a great year if this continues. we got our face-offs going, too. Yeah, no, the Winnipeg Jets dominated in the face-off dot. How about Mark uh, Shifley? 60.3% at face-offs. Mark Shifley has been, you know, and and this is something that's going to, was, was always going to be a conversation. He was 79.17 on the face-off dot. Mark Shifley signing here or long-term, there's been a lot of people that have been very hard on Mark Shifley over the last number of years. I'm certain I've said some things as well. Including myself. Yes. He has the opportunity here to totally flip any sort of narrative that that perhaps is, you know, fairly or unfairly has surrounded him over the last little bit. Um, he, he, has, he started this season outstanding. Outstanding. What was he in the uh, face-off? He was 18 and 5 or something? He was almost 80%, 79.17, yeah. yeah. Which, again, fantastic. <laughs> I don't think he's ever done that. No, I've if, if he has, I don't have the stat, but it would be... And we're talking against Barkov, right? Yeah. Barkov yeah. and... No, no, not slouches, no, no. Um, So I agree with you. I think it's going to take the full year. I think if Mark Shifley in 30 games has 39 points, yeah. people are going to... People are used to that. Yes, the face-off circle, the 200-foot game, I think people will come around. And I think now that he knows and has committed here, I I, I think that you know subconsciously gets him to be better. Mm-hmm. That has been my criticism of Mark Shifley, is Mark Shifley is a difference maker, but he's a difference maker at both ends of the ice, and one for the wrong reasons. Yeah, uh, Iserman was his idol, the playing the whole year, the whole career, one organization, all this means something to him. And I get it, right? Like, he's he's an offensive guy who, in my time talking to him, and it's been a couple of years other than when he's joined us on the show, but in my time going one-on-one with him and stuff, he's always been a guy who believes in order for him to help the team, he needs to score more. Yeah. I need to score more. I'm an offensive guy. I need to, if we need more, go- if, we, if we lose 6-5, we need another goal. I got to do that. If bonus can get to him with this system, which it 
through two games, it looks like. And even last year, it was improved. Yeah. And he can, you know, be in the faceoff dot. It was and, improved until it wasn't. And I believe it was Kelly Moore who said on the post, pregame show on Saturday that he wasn't around because he had to go in the room, but he heard that it was Mark and Adam Lowry. Um, I, I want to make sure of this, but it was one of the two that stayed out with Cole Perfetti and helped mm. him. There's just, when you're committed to being here, you're more committed to what you're hearing. It's clear that him and Maurice didn't get along yeah. 100%. Did they get along? Yes. Did they get along 100%? No. But if he likes this and is committed to it, which he clearly has, and Bonus can teach him some things that he's more receptive to, and I think at this stage of your career, you are more receptive to yeah. it, right? Look, Bonus said it, and I've said it a thousand times, um, and Bonus would know way more than I do. But Bonus said it again in the post game: more defense will lead to more offense, and that's what's happening with this team so far. I think. Yep, that's exactly what we've seen. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Team is one and one, but impressive two games. Yeah, uh, we got a text message here, and we'll talk about this right when we come back. This texture says: New Kings guys look great, and they're young and of good size, and can skate. Rasmus. Kupari, Alex Iafalo, Gabe Velarde. We'll talk about that when we come back. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome back to the show, 204-780-6868. The one texter said, hey, new Kings guys look great. Kupari, Velarde, Iafalo. Uh, they're young and have good size and can skate. What do you think of those guys, uh, Jim Toth? I like Kupari. I mean, he made a couple plays where... He kind of reminds me of Nemestikov, where I said when Nemestikov got here, I was wondering, yeah. first-round pick, not scoring, what's – but he's just smart, like with the puck. And there's a couple times, Kapari, even on the goal by Barron, his turning back around and going into a smaller space and because that was a mm. smart play and then it resulted in the goal. I like his hockey sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. 204-780-6868, uh, well, the, the, I have the same answer to both of these questions, or the same answer to both of these questions. Got a bunch of them just came in, uh, 204-780-6868. I just want to mention this too. David Pagnata, a frequent guest yeah. of the show, fourthperiod.com. The Connor Garland trade options. He's got an article out, Columbus yes. Blue Jackets, Nashville Predators, Chicago Blackhawks, and Carolina Hurricanes in the mix. You can subtract the Jets okay. for now, and that's in his piece if you want to read that. Yeah, there was some talk about that on Saturday. Um, I, I wasn't sure where the fit would be. Uh, obviously, I mean, a guy that's pretty defensively sound can chip in a little bit offensively as well. I was thinking, you know, is Connor Garland going to, you know, he was kind of mentioned, but m- might have just been a little bit of uh, kicking tires. Also as well, this from Kelly Moore. He says, uh, 680 CGOB sports director as well as Jet Studio host. Uh, Bones confirms, head coach Rick Bonus confirms, Hellebuck will start tomorrow night in net. No surprise there. Uh, text message here. I'll talk about it. The elephant in the room Kelly's average is four goals against, what is his current save percentage? It's two games. Yeah, it's two games. It's two games. I, um, I'm not going to get too concerned about that right now. Yeah. I mean, look, the one thing we haven't talked about Saturday is the Jets against Carolina last year had the Hurricanes pull their goalie and get three straight goals, six on five. Yes. Matthew Tuchuk was a goal post away from tying that game 5-5. Five, five. So as I heard in the post game, Kelly Moore pointed out, it'll be addressed. It's not good, but you know they still found a way to win the game. But I was like, man, 
That's ominous. If yeah, they- <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's Rick Bonus on that. You know, there are different uh, different goals in Carolina. They were throwing pucks that were in through five, six bodies. That and okay, you got to live with that. I thought we made two glaring mistakes on both of those goals that we can fix. The other, the ones against Carolina, is hard to fix those because they just they went through four or five bodies. Tonight, we made uh, two glaring mistakes on both of those goals that we can fix. Fixable stuff. They held on. They won the game. It was a good game. They almost they were post away from overtime, but uh, I mean, I think it's kind of a cop out to say ah, it's tough to tough to win in the NHL. I think that's kind of a cop out, but it kind of is. And uh, look, they found I don't a way mind one goal with the goalie pull, even with six minutes left. I, when it gets to two and then a goal post, that's a concern. I would address <laughs> you're, it. You're up three with the with the other team uh, is net empty, and you should. Yeah. But he said he's going to address it, right? Like It's going to be addressed. I mean, I, like I said, if they would have been the only team in less than a calendar year to give up three goals with the other team's goalie pulled. <laughs> I think that when I was living in Calgary, I think they did it once to the you Ducks. Were saying, I, I don't remember this ever happening. Yeah, no, they scored. Other than when I saw, I literally was, was that Carolina game happened. At the I'm dome. like, I've never seen this before. But. It was pandemonium at the Dome. I remember that. <laughs> it was just, it was wild. Um, this uh, this as well. We got a bunch of text messages about this. Uh, Blake Wheeler, um, a former uh, captain of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, played uh, twelve and a half minutes or so. Twelve minutes and eleven 12, seconds 11, of action. Bench. Yeah, yeah, he got benched. Uh, got benched in the third. Jim, again, is this a situation where you know? Wow, look at look at look at Connor Hellebuck's stats right now over two yeah, games. Are I we would, panicking uh, after two? It's not panicking? good when you get benched. Don't get me wrong, yeah. especially as a veteran of that age. But I'm not panicking. Everybody who wants to let's reconvene. As we do at the end of every year and talk about the 55 points in 72, 60 and 65, 46 and 50. Yeah. I mean, he's been consistently to this point five or six points off a point of game player. I don't expect him to be that again, um, but I do expect him to have 50 to 60 points at the end of the year and we'll reconvene then. Never good when you're benched. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But two games in, I think it's you send a message to a vet like this and. Good for Laviolette. It's a marathon, not a sprint. See how he responds. Let's see how he responds. 204-780-6868. Thanks so much, everybody, for texting the show. Jim Toth, hey, he's going to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much to It's a fun Tyson. show, everybody. Thanks for texting. It's a great show. Listen. Tyson Rewicki, pushing the buttons. Yeah. Thanks there. Making it go. Not a no, good, not great. Got a ride into work today. He has. Like a car service. Yeah. Like those guys who do ESPN radio in, in New York and the car service picks him up in Newark and Don't drives him in every day. Don't get me started on the entitlement of Tyson Don't Ricky. make light of this situation. You had to drive yourself in, didn't you, Cam? You I drove did. yourself to work today? You didn't have, like, somebody come pick you up? Wow, it must be nice. must be nice to have We got to go, Sip! Chats at noon on 680-CJOB.